Now that's here from God's word, the eighth chapter of Hebrews, beginning at the sixth verse. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them into their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their inequities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. This is the word of God still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So the past few weeks we've, we've been taking the ministry of Jesus as our great high priest now under the new covenant, the new law. We talked about Jesus and how it compared to the old Levitical priesthood, the old Levitical law, the old Mosaic law. And today, from our scripture, we can tell what we're contrasting today is the old covenant and the new covenant. So to start out, we should have a clear definition of what is a covenant, a covenant's agreement. You can have covenants that are drawn up where both parties give input into them. That's not what this new covenant is. This new covenant, it's more like if you think of a will, last will and testament that someone writes. They write it out, maybe a lawyer writes it out for them, it puts in the terms of this last will. They write it out, they notarize it, they make it all nice and legal, and then the people mentioned in the will who are to receive it, they can't change the terms of that will. They can't change the terms of that agreement. It's set by the person who wrote it. New covenant is that type of agreement. Or you can call it a testament. Covenant and testament can be interchangeable. It's not a covenant that humans made. It's the covenant that God himself made. It means that God and God alone set the terms of the new covenant. Each person must either accept the terms that God offers through this covenant or reject them. It's up to that individual person. Doesn't do any good to argue about it. Hey, I don't agree with this part. 
to try and refute them. Oh, I don't believe it says that. Or try to negotiate. The terms are set. God set the terms of the new covenant. And through this new covenant, God offers a glorious inheritance. The only way anyone can ever, a person can ever receive this inheritance is to accept the terms of the covenant as they have been laid out by God. New covenant also means there's a new way of relating to God through the new covenant. Why did we need a new covenant? Because the old covenant depended upon people who were unable to fulfill the agreements, the requirements. That's what God's saying in these verses. In verse 8, he says, For he, speaking of God, God finds fault with them. Verse 9, For they did not continue in my covenant. God's saying they didn't continue in my covenant. And show I, I showed no concern for them. And in verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. The old covenant was an agreement between God and the Israelites. It's based on the law of Moses, the words that God gave Moses to tell the people. It had all these rules and regulations that the Israelites were expected to follow. If you did this, you needed to do that. This is how you treat this. This is how you do that. You worship here. You sacrifice on these days and with these animals. The new covenant is an agreement between God and all people. It's based on one thing. The death and resurrection of Jesus. And it offers salvation to anyone. To all who believe in him. And this abolition of the old covenant has several implications. First, it means that the law of Moses is no longer in effect. It doesn't mean that the, the moral principles of the law are not valid. They're still very good. They, they still should be followed. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. That's all common sense stuff. But it does mean that they're no longer required for a person's salvation. It means that the way of salvation has changed. In the old covenant, salvation could only be attained by obeying the law, fulfilling the law, doing what the law said, following the rules and regulations. That's what you had to do. And with the new covenant, salvation is achieved only through Jesus Christ. Our faith, our faith in Jesus is how we are saved, how we get salvation. The abolition of the old covenant is this major turning point in the history of salvation. It's a sign that God has fulfilled his plan for humanity. It's been fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder that salvation is not about following a set of rules, but about trusting in Jesus Christ. That means that people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord, they aren't under the old covenant law. 
We're not saved by our own obedience to the law, but only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That also means we should be free from the bondage of sin. The law could not free us from sin. We had to have constant sacrifices. But what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection is free us from the scourge of sin. And remember, the new covenant means there's a new way of relating to God. That means we're no longer God's subjects under the law. We're his children. We're God's children. That's what that last verse means. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. God's plan in that old covenant was to show the Israelites their need for a Savior. As you read through the Old Testament, it points to, the prophets point to, God's words points to a Savior, the Messiah, coming to save them. We know him as Jesus Christ. You can also think about it like this. What was the old covenant focused on? External obedience. Again, what we did externally was the most important thing under the old covenant. What's the new covenant focused on? Inner transformation of the person. Inner transformation of the individual. And we can use the Old Testament verses that are quoted in today's scripture to help us understand this even more. Verses 8 to 12 are quoted there, a direct quote from the prophet Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, verses 31 to 34. And the first thing you probably noticed is these are direct quotations from God. God's speaking in the first person. God's saying, I will know me, my covenant. And these verses date back to when a king named Josiah was in uh, ruling over the Israelites. And what happened is they found some scrolls of the law that had been forgotten. And they're like, wait a minute, no wonder things are going so awful for us. We haven't been following God's law. They brought about this national time of repentance. We're sorry. They even did a public covenant to keep God's law. We're going to follow your law from now on, Lord. We know we messed up. And yet again, God's chosen people fail to follow that covenant. And it was in the midst of that dark period, that dark failure again, that God spoke and promised a new covenant through the words of Jeremiah. The covenant not conditional like the old, you must do this, is unconditional. It's totally dependent upon the work of God. God took care of it. God spoke through Jeremiah, Jeremiah to announce the need for and the coming of a, a new and a better covenant. And as Methodists, we believe free will is a gift from God given to all people. Miss Janet, I asked her questions. People have she, she asked a really good question. 
And the beginning of the question I'll, I'll speak on now, and I'll probably come up with some more later, but does God have a plan for us when we're born? That's a good question. Yes, he does. He has a plan. And he has a will for us. But it's dependent upon free will for us to follow it. We believe free will is a gift that God gives to every person. That means each person decides if they're going to accept God's offer in this covenant. What does living in the new covenant mean to us? First of all, it's not a promise of wealth and power as the world likes to define power and riches. Instead, it promises an inward power, a spiritual power from within. From our text today, God said, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. How does God accomplish that? Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us. That faith promises us a new heart and a new mind. When someone approaches God through Christ Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, something wonderful happens. God renews their heart and their mind, renews their heart and places the law of compassion and grace within it. God renews their mind and places the law of compassion and grace in our minds. The new heart and the new mind reminds us that we have been accepted by God and given eternal life. The promise of eternal life is is forever with God in his presence. That's the vast inheritance that God promises to us in his covenant. That promise means we've already been delivered from sin and death through our faith in Jesus Christ. The old covenant that would condemn people's hearts. It would stir the mind to think of judgment and condemnation and failure. Christianity, our our faith is meant to be a faith of grace, not judgment. We're saved by God's grace, not by our own good works. Praise God. It's not dependent upon us. That, That also means we should not judge others, but rather extend to them the same grace that God has extended to all of us. When we judge others, we're essentially saying we're better than them. That's not the message of Christ. The gospel reading today, Jesus said, come to me all, all of you, come to me. I will give you rest. Jesus taught us to love our neighbors as ourselves. That means we should not judge them, but rather try and understand and help them. The message of the new covenant is that we're all sinners and we all need God's grace through Christ Jesus. And also security, our security, absolute security can only be found through the faith in the new covenant. That means the new covenant frees our hearts and our minds and it should stir up an assurance from within us and confidence that we are God's children. With the new mind and with the new heart, 
we have the, the desire and the power through the Spirit to follow and obey God. And that's an earnest desire, not a fake one. It comes from within to follow God's will in our lives. And even when we fall short and fail, maybe not you, but I, I fall short and fail a lot. Our hearts are stirred to seek forgiveness and to repent through the new covenant. The new heart, the new mind also stirs us to love God. As our hearts are renewed, our our love for God should also be renewed and grow. The old covenant had no power to stir us from within, to energize us like that. We're not forgiven because of good works or the law. The forgiveness of sin is based solely upon the mercy and the grace of God. God does not accept us or forgive our sins because we try to do good. God forgives us because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and for the sins of the world. Jesus has already paid the penalty for our sins, our mistakes. So we can ask God to forgive our sins because of that sacrifice. They're forgiven. When we ask, they are forgiven. And knowing that we have been forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus allows the power of forgiveness to become reality in our lives Within the new covenant, God works in the heart and minds of all believers through the Holy Spirit. So inwardly, we feel forgiveness at work in our lives, especially when we forgive others. Repentance and forgiveness should stir us to follow Jesus wherever he leads. And where Christ is leading Where Jesus is leading us is into fellowship and communion with God. I will be their God and they shall be my people. One of the Christian groups I like to listen to a lot is Mercy Me. They have a song called Dear Younger Be. It's a reflective look like if you could go speak to your younger self, what would you tell them? I'm going to read a few lines, and then I'll be, I'll be asking Dave to play it, but it begins like this. It says, If I knew then what I know now, condemnation would have had no power. My joy, my pain would have never been my worth if I knew then what I know now. Would have not been hard to figure out what I would have changed if I had heard Dear younger me, it's not your fault. You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. Dear younger me, you are holy. You are righteous. You're one of the redeemed. Set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. The new covenant declares that you are holy You are righteous. You are one of the redeemed. You've been set apart. You've been given a brand new heart. You are free indeed. 
That's who we are by having Jesus in our life. Holy, righteous, and redeemed. There are no, no other requirements. It's through our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And they shall not teach each other, each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their inequities, and I will remember their sins no more. There's no test, there's no barrier to keep you from personally knowing God and growing in love and grace through him. God calls you holy. He calls you righteous. He calls you redeemed because of your faith in Jesus. May God renew your heart with compassion and grace. May God renew your mind and daily place the law of compassion and grace there. May you know that you are holy, righteous, and redeemed by your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. All throughout my history Faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing 